Hey guys, this is Andrew Frezza and welcome to the Seven Figure Box Show. In today's episode, I'm gonna be sharing with you five different things that we've eliminated over the last five years from our gym. And two of these have actually been eliminated during COVID, so I wanna share these with you. And the other three are just things that we've dropped and evolved away from over the last few years. And I wanna talk a little bit about the why behind it. And actually, as of September, we are no longer a CrossFit affiliate. Our affiliation did run out. And this kind of goes in line with the podcast. This is not one of the five that I wanted to share with you, but just kind of showcasing this idea that we've been really evolving our brand and our gym, not necessarily away from CrossFit, that was never really our goal to evolve away from CrossFit, but evolving our brand over the years based on what we felt like was best for the business, our members, our coaches, and doing things where when we see something that we feel like it could be better, we evolve the, the gym and the business to make it better. We're not waiting for someone to tell us what to do. So as much as I love seeing what other successful gyms are doing out there, what other coaches are doing out there, as much as I love listening to other podcasts, ultimately the final decision on anything that we've done over the last eight years is really about what do we feel like is best for our members based on the day-to-day -day interactions and experience that we have as business owners, coaches, and athletes. So I wanna break down five of the things that we've eliminated from the last five years from our gym. And the first one's probably an obvious one to a lot of you. I'm sure a lot of you guys have ditched this, which is the whiteboard. And when I'm talking about the whiteboard, I'm not talking about putting your workouts on a whiteboard. I'm talking about specifically putting all the names of everybody in class onto a whiteboard and tracking everybody's scores, weights, scaled RX, putting that on a board every single day. And we eliminated this probably close to five years ago. I don't know the exact date, but this was probably the first thing on this list that we eliminated. And the main reason we did it was, it honestly just became a time suck for our coaches. And when coaches were having to spend what we deem as the most important parts of building relationship with the members, the most important parts of class to build relationships with the members, which is kind of that before class element and that end of class element, when you have a chance to really build one-on-one -on -one connections, we found that our coaches were then spending the majority of that time writing names on the board, writing scores on the board, trying to track people down to put scores on the board, and they were spending the majority of that time with their back to the room, their back to our members, instead of spending that time building one-on-one -on -one relationships and stronger connections with the members. So that was really the tipping point as we started to really kind of step into the things that I talk about in the Rockstar Coaching course of maximizing the 10 minutes before and after class and maximizing each minute you have with the individuals of class to build relationships, get to know them and, uh, and coach. Um, that was really a tipping point. Some of the other things that, that really uh, affected that decision was just the amount of uh, stake that our members were putting into their scores and whether they are Rxed or not and really comparing themselves to other people instead of figuring out why they were there, what their why was for being in the gym and trying to uh, push themselves and give an effort based on that. So that was a, a, definitely a part of it as well. But I mean, we've moved to SugarWad now and SugarWatt has a leaderboard. SugarWatt has a similar tracking component. So we're definitely not against that component. I mean, if I was to really nitpick with SugarWatt, I'd actually prefer that they don't have a leaderboard ranked from you know best to worst on any given day. I'd prefer that it's just you know like alphabetical or something like that. And you're still going to see people's scores. Obviously, it's not about like 
not seeing who did good and who didn't. But I think, you know, when people see that, it can make it seem like that's what we want as coaches, that we want everybody to compete every day and we want people to be at the top of the leaderboard. And that's not what we want. We want people to push against themselves. That's why we like SugarWad for just the individual performance tracking, but not necessarily uh, there to push against others or at least not compete against others, right? It's, it's different when you're using the person alongside you to give a better effort yourself that day. And then it's, it's very different when you're trying to beat that person every single day. And I think there's days that you can do that. Um, but I think if you're trying to do that every day, you're going to miss the why of why you're actually in the building. But um, I got kind of off track there. The main point is that we just see the whiteboard as a big time suck. We see it can be a distraction as it relates to RX and scaled or whatever you're doing there. And um, you know, when you have digital solutions, we just think that's a better way to go. So that way you're maximizing the hour that you have with each of the individuals in class. The second thing that we eliminated along those same lines is we eliminated the scale, the RX and the RTG weights from our whiteboard. And we evolved that at first to fitness, performance, and sport. Um, we just felt like that was a better way of categorizing it because first off, we didn't have anybody that was going to the game. So road to the games as a standard just didn't make any sense. It's kind of funny even looking back now that that was even a thing because you look at games athletes today and no one in our gym is even close to that, even though we have really, really good high-level athletes but the distance between our great athletes and a games athlete just isn't even close anymore. So, um, you know, that's part of the reason why that just didn't make any sense, but really we wanted something that didn't, wasn't so much about scaled is worse than RX, which is worse than RTG. We wanted to be more goals based and we felt like fitness performance and sport gave us more flexibility to make our modifications more goal based rather than always making it about, a scale for that particular movement. And a great example of that would be something like a muscle up, right? Obviously for us, a muscle up is going to fall into more of that RTG or sport type of category. But when you're talking about having like an RX and a scale, if you're typically talking about the muscle up being this highest level, the sport, the RTG, then you're usually going to program the uh, scales for the muscle ups as a version of the muscle up, meaning it's going to be something like potentially muscle up transitions, potentially pull ups and dips, um, potentially working on kipping pull ups and kipping dips, or maybe even a combination of all three. But essentially, you're thinking about RX and scaled as a way to get to the muscle up. Now, when we think about it today with more of a fitness and performance standpoint, or where we were when we introduced the fitness and performance standpoint, we really felt like, okay, what is it that we want this person to get who's more of a fitness athlete, right? A fitness athlete isn't really in here to compete. They're not really in here to perform. They just wanna have general fitness. So that person is most likely gonna do a strict version of that pull up and or that dip that day. And they're not gonna do any type of transitions or anything like that because their goal is not to get a muscle up. Their goal is to get a great workout and they want to get to things like strict pull-ups and strict push-ups and strict dips if they don't already have them. So it's just a different goal, a different skill set there. And it's a slight difference on a lot of things, but we found that it could be a big difference uh, depending on the workout. Now, during COVID, this got taken a step further because we actually completely eliminated fitness and performance and sport for the time being. So during COVID, 
when we went to uh, remote workouts and everybody was working from home, we stopped programming any type of fitness performance or sport, any type of prescribed weight, because we just knew that our members didn't have access to a lot of weights. So we didn't want to make people feel bad who wanted to do the RX weight or the performance weight, but didn't have the weights in their garage to be able to do that weight. And then once we came back to the physical gym, we didn't want to program them then because a lot of our members didn't train as consistently as they would normally do at home. And we didn't want them to go from like zero to 60 and start lifting heavy weights again, doing these high gymnastic skills when they hadn't even been hanging from a bar for the last three months. So they hadn't even done more than 95 pounds on the bar for the last three months. So we said, okay, for the time being, we're not going to do any of those fitness performance sports standards because we want people to ease back into it. But then what we found was that members actually chose better weights for themselves because they didn't have these numbers on the board that were sort of calling their names each day to try to push them to their higher levels. So our members started to choose much more appropriate weights and they got a workout that, that seemed to be a lot more tailored to their why and, and what they were trying to get uh, out of that day and out of their goals in general. So we haven't put those standards back in and we don't plan to. We've really seen a lot of positives that have come from not having fitness performance sport, not having prescribed weights, and we still keep it for benchmarks. So when we do a benchmark day, which is typically once a week, we will have prescribed weights for those because we want people to, to really understand the stimulus of those days. But on other days, we're just gonna really describe that stimulus as, hey, let's choose a weight that you can hang on to for eight to 10 reps. Let's choose a uh, rep scheme on the toes of bar that you can do in two to three sets. And giving people the stimulus in a different way rather than putting some arbitrary number on the board because you have to realize with those whatever rx is for you it's arbitrary it's arbitrary it might you may say it's tailored to your members but there's going to be members that it's arbitrary and it doesn't fit for you know there's going to be members that are older that it doesn't fit for there's going to be members that are younger that are gonna, that it doesn't fit for there's members that are hurt that it doesn't fit for and then there's members that are just simply not as trained as the other members in the gym. And I, I obviously see the benefits of having something to aspire to, but we've really found that the, uh, the, the pros of that, the benefits of having these prescribed weights doesn't outweigh the cons and, and we're rolling forward without those things. Our third thing that we dropped over the last five years is our competitors class. And personally, this was something that I actually really enjoyed myself. I mean, I was never, super competitive in CrossFit. I never went to regionals or anything like that, but I'm pretty good. I have all the skills and, and I really enjoyed um, being able to express some of those higher skills, being able to be in an environment where you have more high level athletes. And I enjoyed coaching that class as well. It was always really fun for me to kind of nerd out a little bit more. So I, I enjoyed the class. Um, and I actually think we had a pretty good vibe in there. Like, I don't think it was super elitist as I've seen at other gyms or heard about at other gyms where, where the competitor class really looks down upon other classes and, and really makes it kind of an us versus them type of, of feel. I mean, obviously there was a degree of that. That's gonna be true at any gym. Um, but I think for the most part, we had a good vibe in there. But the, the big lesson there for me with the competitors class is that People vote with their actions, not with what they say. And often what they say or what they think they want is different from what they actually want or what they will actually do. And what I mean by that is that we had this competitors class in, in pretty much a prime 
time on a Saturday. This was before our beach fit program was really thriving. And um, we had it at, I think, like 8.30. It was like 8.30 to 10 on a Saturday morning. And it was a 90-minute class at first. It eventually went to two hours, but it started at 90 minutes. And um, a lot of people didn't really show up to that class very consistently. We had a handful of people that would show up consistently. And then the rest of the people would kind of come once a month, twice a month, you know, once every two months, you know, depending on the person. And you'd often see those same people taking other classes also on a Saturday. So it wasn't that they weren't not coming at all. They were still coming on Saturday. They just weren't coming to the competitors class. They were coming to other class times. And that really became kind of a, a red flag for me. A light bulb went off of like, okay, these people say they want more. They want, they're saying they want more high level programming. They're saying they want more high level skills, heavier weights you know, more sort of dedicated, intense, detailed type of coaching. And then when they get those things, they're opting to do other things. And, and sometimes, you know, those people have legitimate excuses. You know, they had a, a soccer practice to go to. They had something else in their day where they had a limited time or they had to get in their workout early and then they couldn't come to the competitors class. But it just happened often enough to me where it was like, okay, these are people that say they want to be competitors, but they want to be sort of this convenient competitor as opposed to someone who's a committed competitor, right? And I didn't expect everyone to to want to be regionals athletes and wanted to dedicate their whole lives to it, but I didn't think it was asking a lot to take 90 minutes out of a Saturday at 8.30 to be able to uh, to do this this class. And, you know, our attendance in that class was never as good as even our next best um, Saturday class. It was always kind of the third or fourth best attended Saturday class out of five or six classes. And then, you know, once our beach food program started to grow, we wanted to keep the competitors class, but we had to move it to a more inconvenient time. So we ended up moving it till I think 10 a.m. on Saturdays. And literally the, the month that we did that, we had like two or three people show up. So we went from like 10 to 12 people to like two or three. And that was, you know, something that really kind of soured that experience for me because it was like, all right, these people really say they want this stuff, but once it's a little inconvenient, they really don't want this stuff. So uh, that made it an easy decision to eliminate the competitors class. We got some flack, flack for that for 12 to 18 months. We still hear every once in a while, hey, it would be cool to have one. And, and it's, a, it's a pretty easy no for us coming off that previous experience. The fourth thing that we eliminated in our classes is long skill sessions. So long skill sessions would be like spending 15 minutes to break down the muscle up. And we did this probably once or twice a week uh, before where we would spend 15 to 20 minutes on a muscle up or a handstand walk or even a kipping pull up or kipping toes to bar or um, hand, uh, handstand push ups, pistols all these different movements and you know it was cool sessions because we could slow things down but what i learned over time is that it felt like those sessions were more for the coach to nerd out on the movements more so than the members and yes in a given class of 12 to 15 people you might have had three or five three to five people that really love those sessions they'd pick up a new a tip someone might get their first muscle up their first handstand push-up and it was a huge win but as we did those sessions more and more, what you realize is there was just a ton of downtime in those sessions. And for a lot of people, it didn't line up 
with their goals and their why for being there. They just wanted to come in, get a really good workout, and they felt like there was just too much standing around um, for them to try to spend all this time on a skill that they didn't really care for. So we've really stopped doing anything that looks like true skill work in that sense. We've learned how to incorporate it in smaller ways in the form of EMOMs and as like accessory movements to like more of a main strength where you might be pairing a back squat with some kind of uh, accessory skill like that. But for the most part, we've kind of eliminated those things and said, you know what, if you want to learn these skills, um, you know, you can certainly get the building blocks in our classes, but if you want to get your first muscle up and, and you're unable to just kind of be one of those lucky athletes who just hops up there and get it, then that's going to be best done before after class. It's going to be best done in a skill session because usually that, that one muscle up comes at the expense of 15 minutes for the other 15 people in class. And it's really important that we're prioritizing the majority we're prioritizing maximizing that hour and and i find that if people are paying for a seminar type of feel where they're really nerding out on a movement then they want that but if they're coming for a class they want that more fast-paced class experience so for us pace has become one of the most if not the most important elements of class and we are always going to kind of prioritize that pace minimizing downtime and that's why we've gotten rid of, of any of those longer skill sessions. Our fifth and final thing that we've eliminated from our gym is any type of free class. And I've done podcasts before. I think one of our earlier podcasts that I've ever done was a discussion on whether or not you should offer a free class. And um, we've done free classes in all different forms. We started off originally with a Saturday free class. Um, we were a CrossFit only gym. We only had CrossFit classes. We didn't like to throw people right into CrossFit classes. So every Saturday at 10 a.m., you could come in and try a free beginner's class. And as things evolved over time and we launched our Beach Fit program, we loved the Beach Fit program because we could offer people a free class any time of day, any day of the week, and it didn't have to take away from our higher skilled CrossFit program. And um, we were able to grow our membership really fast doing that. And um, we found when like gyms would shut down or we'd get like a huge rush of people, maybe for the new year or another reason, school starting back up, that the free class really uh, allowed us to onboard a ton of people really quickly. And there wasn't that bottleneck at the front. So, I mean, if, you're, if you were like us and you're going from 200 members to 500 members, you wanna do it as quickly as possible, you probably need to do it via free class. But once you have some success, or if you wanna be more of a boutique gym that's charging a more premium price, and you're not, you're not getting to 500 members, you're getting to 150 to 200, then I would really discourage the free class. And we used COVID as kind of the tipping point for us to completely drop our free class. So we eliminated the free class even for Beach Fit, and now people have to all start with a no sweat intro. And there's still some people that will do a free class, but typically that person is doing the no sweat intro first. They're going through a discussion with the coach. The coach is agreeing, you know what? You'd be a great fit to try a free class. You have enough experience. I'm gonna have you go on this exact day to try a beach fit class because I know you can handle the skills that are being asked about or um, being incorporated into that workout that day. Or it's someone who's new to the area who has a ton of CrossFit experience from another place and they can try a free class of our FTX program because we understand that they, they're gonna do fine and they wanna see if it's a good fit. So there's the rare instances, but 
what we completely eliminated is person off the street who wants to be a member trying that free class is, is really a big no for us and we're gonna ha always have that person do a no sweat intro and it's just been night and day in terms of the quality of the person that we get the uh, the amount of success that that person has you know I think a, a good person a good prospect that goes through the wrong process is no longer a good person whereas a decent person or, or even sometimes a bad prospect that goes through the right process can evolve and become a great person over time. They can become a great person or a potential customer for your business. So it's really important that you set good expectations. Um, I think that little bit of a barrier to entry at the beginning of having to set, uh, sit down with a coach, have a conversation, it really forces that client to get a little introspective on why they're showing up, why they want to spend this money, what are they trying to get out of this? And I think they end up getting better results because of it. So the no sweat intro, I can't say enough good things about it. And I think if you guys are in a position where um, you're paying the bills, you're breaking even at least each month, then I think I would really strongly encourage you to move to that no sweat intro um, process because I think it's going to enable you to get to um, you know, higher average client value, better quality members, and a better class experience. It really, for us, it was always about protecting class experience. That's the reason we never let people try a CrossFit class off the street. It wasn't even so much about that person getting hurt or being unsafe. It was about the veteran members that have been paying us the longest, continuing to get a great experience, and our coaches not getting sucked away with this brand new member. So we love it now because our, our class experience, we can really count on the, the same type of experience every day. We know who's reserving those classes. We know we're not gonna get a surprise with a brand new member who doesn't understand the lingo or the class flow or the movements is gonna get hurt. So I, I, would, I would really encourage you guys to do that. And one of the things that helped us make that uh, leap was number one, COVID, because it helped us to kind of Re rearrange some of our processes. But number two was Uplaunch and signing up with Uplaunch made that no sweat intro scheduling so much smoother that we're able to really count on that process being streamlined and, and sort of no one falling through the cracks. So if you guys are interested in Uplaunch, I've talked about them before, but you can head over to sevenfigurebox.com slash Uplaunch and, and check them out. But um, can't say enough good things about them. So that wraps it up. That's the five things that we've eliminated over the last five years. The whiteboard, our scaled RX and RTG standards, our competitors class, our long skill sessions in class, and any type of free classes. If you guys have any questions, feel free to reach out, andrew at fittown.com, and we'll see you on the next one.